You're listening to 17 Karat K-Pop. For more information about the variety of topics covered on the show, as well as my other podcast, How to Stand, visit 17karatkpop.weebly.com. And if you enjoy this episode, please consider becoming a monthly donor to support my work and allow it to continue to go on and be free for all to access for as low as 99 cents a month. Visit the support the show link on my site's homepage for more information. Some quick backstory on this book. The Owl Service was published in 1967. In that same year, the author actually won the Carnegie Medal from the Library Association for Best Children's Book by a British Author. He also won the second annual Guardian Children's Fiction Prize and is only one of six authors to win both of those awards between the time frame of 1966 and 2011. The whole story was actually inspired by a design. Christopher Dresser, who created the design, did this interesting drawing where somehow flowers looked like owls when you turn the drawings upside down. And that started it all with him brainstorming this story. So the main characters you need to know are Roger and Allison are step-siblings. Allison is the one who is particularly elitist and a snob. She's nice to Gwyn basically because she thinks her deceased mother would be happy with it and want her to make nice. So that's Roger and Allison. Allison's stepdad, the person her now deceased mother married, is Clive. Clive is ashamed of his family's past. His former wife, his kid Allison's mom, was well known to be cheating on him and... It left a stain on the family's reputation. He keeps paying off Nancy, the cook, every time she's reaching her breaking point and threatens to quit. Presumably, he wants to keep her hired so that she doesn't get employed by someone else and spill all of these family secrets. Nancy is the cook for the Valley Home residence, and she has some resentment towards Allison, mostly anger over not getting the status she thought she would, and she's basically staying a cook in the house while Allison gets to go off and marry and basically have a future. And this cook feels like she's got no future. What's to look forward to for her next chapter of her life? She doesn't know. She's stuck in this servitude. Then there is Hugh Halfbacon, a.k.a. Hugh the Flitch. He is the gardener, the handyman in this valley vacation home. And he has a lot of secrets as well about working there. A lot of stories he has kept close to the vest. And then there's Gwyn, who is Nancy's son. So you have Nancy the cook and her son Gwyn. Roger and Allison are Clive's kids. They're step-siblings. And they're only nice to Gwyn because they think their mom would want that. And then there's Hugh the Flitch, who is the gardener and holds a lot of family secrets. The whole plot of the owl service is based on this Welsh myth about this woman made of flowers and she cheats on her husband. She asks her lover to kill him after she has the affair. Then the punishment is being turned into an owl. It's a long story. In this specific story, not just what it derived from, this family is having this family bonding vacation. So they go to this isolated home in the valley in Wales. This story is set in the 1970s, by the way. This home is Allison's now because her dad left it for her actually to avoid an inheritance tax. We will unpack that later. 
So they're at this vacation home. Allison hears some scratching in the attic. She calls Gwyn to figure out what it is, and he finds a stack of floral print dinner plates in the attic. Doesn't answer the question of where the scratching came from. But weird stuff keeps happening. When Gwyn picks up one of these floral print plates, he ends up falling through the attic ceiling. Something's going on with these plates. And Allison is so consumed by them. She just spends hours and hours tracing and tracing and tracing these intricate designs. Then she folds over the papers. And sure enough, when she does that, they don't look like flowers anymore. They look like owls. What is mesmerizing her is not so much just the designs, but the fact that every time she goes through this process of tracing and folding, then suddenly the design disappears from the plate. So instead of just tracing something and it having no effect on the original, this actually seems to remove the design from the original source when she traces it onto paper. And her own drawings end up disappearing too. A lot of things are magically disappearing. Tensions continue to rise throughout this trip, plus some very classist attitudes. Again, we'll unpack that later. Eventually, Hugh realizes that he is Gwyn's real father. Remember, Gwyn is the son of the cook Nancy. It is revealed that Hugh's ancestors drew on those plates. There is this dark and stormy night where Gwyn gets frightened and tries to escape because Hugh says it's time. And a storm comes in just to set the mood. So dark stormy night. Hugh says it's time. It's a very weird I am your father moment. Then a pack of sheep dogs chases after Gwyn. I know it's all really the story's all over the place but I think it'll make more sense when I get to the end. Chased out by the sheep dogs, Gwyn runs to this place in a tree. Hugh guides him to the spot in the tree where people have this tradition of taking something from that hole in the tree and then leaving something else. So Gwyn decides he'll participate in that ritual. He takes a stone out of the tree and what he leaves is an owl-themed trinket. He's just up and leaving. He's had enough of this crazy house. Nancy agrees and Gwyn and Nancy are about to just quit and leave. So when Gwyn takes the stone out of the tree, he tells Hugh to just give it to Allison. He doesn't want it. Nancy further wants to destroy any memories of this wild time in this house. So when Roger, Allison's stepbrother, finds a stuffed owl, Nancy destroys it. As requested, Hugh does give Allison that stone from the tree, which is also apparently it had some dark force in it. So Allison starts convulsing. It's like a dark force infiltrated her and it leaves marks. In the end, it's this really chaotic cliffhanger of sorts, with a lot of loose ends not tied up. Hugh shouts, it's always owls. And then Roger's yelling back, it's always flowers, and they argue. Was the source of the dark magic the owls or the flowers? It sort of sounds like a glass half full, no glass half empty, no glass half full type of debate. The room they were in now is filled with feathers that turn into petals. So at the end of the day, the story ends with a room full of flower petals. And remember, in the Welsh myth this story is based on, the woman made of flowers has the affair with her husband, then she gets turned into an owl. Basically, you have these wealthy people in a vacation home 
There's mistrust everywhere. There's deception. There's manipulation, often via money. There's a fixation on figuring out what this is. It's kind of like a Yanny or Laurel debate or is the dress gold or blue kind of debate, but in story form. There's a constant back and forth that's rising the tension in the house because on top of everything else when you're stressed, it just is taken up an extra notch if the littlest thing is added to that load. If you're about to lose it over something serious, just you just need a little a little thing like an argument over is it flowers or owls to tip you over the edge. So tensions are officially tipped over thanks to this flower or owls debate. It's a lot to deal with, so let's take a step back and assess what just happened. Let's back up a little here and talk more about the story that inspired the owl service. And I really apologize because I'm about to butcher a lot of Welsh pronunciation. I really tried to practice this and figure out how to do it correctly, but I don't speak Welsh and it shows. So I apologize. Not used to this at all, but I'll try my best. All right, this is the story of Blodioved. B-L-O-D-E-U-W-E-D-D. A Welsh myth that is actually one of the earliest known proses in British literature, considered part of the last chapter of the Four Bridges of Mabinogi. This word means flower-faced and refers to this story's main character. In this myth, these two magical people, Math and Gwydion, create Blodioved. She's this girl who was made using magic and made to be a romantic partner for Schley. L-L-E-U, Shlu? I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm going to say Lou, but I've heard very different pronunciations. Anyway, so one day when Lou is gone, his wife, Blodioved, has an affair with this guy named Grano. G-R-O-N-W. Then her and Grano plan to, they plan a murder of Lou. They want to kill him, and... He is immortal unless you have these very specific circumstances set up. And then under all of these conditions, suddenly he's mortal. So you have to kill him at dusk by a river when he has one foot on a goat and one on a bath while he's wrapped in a net. And he can't just be killed by any spear, but a spear that was forged during hours of mass. I don't know, but those are the criteria. And somehow, this guy Lou is gullible enough and weird enough to reveal all of those specific criteria when Blodioved tries to coax it out of him. So she learned the conditions of his possible death from him. She got him to cough up some really good information for her without tons of effort. Very weird. Anyway, so Blodioved sets up this exact scenario. And... Sure enough, Lou walks into the trap, Garano throws the spear, and Lou is struck. But instead of dying like they thought, he didn't die. He turned into an eagle and flew away, and was actually healed by Gwydion and Math, the two who had created Blodioved with their magic. They also used that magic to heal this guy. Blodioved is then like, oh man, they're not going to be on to me for this attempted murder here. She tries to get out of there before it's too late, but 
it doesn't work. So Gwydion catches her and turns her into an owl. They call it the most hated bird. And she's basically going to be shunned for life as an owl now. Grano begs for forgiveness. He wants Lou to go easy on him. Or at least easier than he did on the woman he just turned into an owl. But Lou refuses to accept this apology. And he demands that Grano, one of his attempted murderers, now have to also be hit by a spear and experience the same pain. So Grano says, fine, but on one condition. I'll let someone throw a spear at me if I get to keep a large stone between me and them, presumably to avoid the arrow from piercing him. It will either bounce off the stone or it may get through the stone, but it won't puncture him so deeply that he'll die. So Lou says, fine, we can arrange that. And a big stone is put between them and the spear is thrown. But to Grano's surprise and horror, the spear actually does go through the stone and his body. Lou uses that much force, which I guess I can understand if you were going to be murdered by someone and then you get the chance to get revenge. How much intense anger and force could you use in your fit of rage? I can imagine that's a lot. And Grano is killed. This story apparently does have a deeper meaning to it and isn't just about revenge. There are actually quite a few feminist writers who argue this is a feminist story because this woman, Blodioved, was created solely to be the romantic partner of someone else. And to break free of that lack of independence, she plotted to kill him as just a desperate attempt to have her freedom. So there's that way of interpreting it. You may also kind of darkly admire her in a weird way in some ways just because she is apparently either very clever or very quickly can manipulate people into confessing everything she needs to know to take them down. That's the mark of a true supervillain. Anyway, no matter how you interpret it though, it's ultimately a story about realizing your power and worth. And you can interpret that however you want. In the case of the myth, Blodioved was learning her worth. Is she the most hated creature or is she flowers? The owl service, after all, uses this story and basically treats it as a cycle. So every generation has to have a family go through what the main family in that story does, where they have to reenact the night of the stone and the spear and the owl and all that. The cycle of this ritual having to take place can only be broken, the curse can only be broken, the dark magic can only evaporate. If whoever is the Blodioved character finally realizes she is that character in this story, and she realizes that the answer is she's flowers, she's not an owl. Basically, magic was preserved in the plate designs in the attic, but once they touch those designs, the magic spilled out, it's like a Pandora's box effect, it was uncontained, it became this stained dark magic, and only those who are called blood legends can properly execute the ritual. It's a way of ultimately figuring out who the ancestor of Lodioved is. So when you look at it that way, it makes a bit more sense why BTS would be inspired by this character. They have specifically confirmed that they were influenced by this story, and we see that with all of the flower imagery throughout their videos. There's a key moment in the I Need You video, the Japanese version, where Jogook sets those lilies on fire and then is lying in a bunch of colorful flowers. The flowers catch fire in 
the Korean version of the I Need You video as well. That video also has that bathtub, which remember was part of the circumstances of the death scene. He had to have one foot on a bathtub. The biggest connection to me seems to be the scene in the I Need You video where Jimin looks like he was kissing someone, so Jungkook smashes a glass bottle towards him. Then we keep getting flashbacks interspersed to them smiling and play fighting as little kids. So it's a back and forth between goofy, lighthearted shoves and play fighting as little kids and actual intense anger-filled real fighting as adults. And with the illusion of maybe cheating, it is kind of allegorical here how they are realizing again, at the end of the day, this is a story about recognizing your power and worth. And that is meant to be on a literal level, physical force, your actual power to hurt someone or play with someone, make their day better or worse, and more philosophical definitions of power and worth as well. Then you have, of course, material worth, referring to wealth, which is a big part of the story in the owl service. A lot of attention in this story is drawn to these divisions among social classes and quote-unquote urban versus rural ways of speaking. Again, all about power and worth in many, many ways. We will pick up this conversation with more BTS literary inspiration, full of more rage, but also some happy moments as well, in the next BT Study Guides episode coming your way very soon. So stay tuned for that. Thank you all for listening today, and I will talk to you all again very, very soon.